What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting editions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. And our guest now is Dan Bonner, uh, college basketball analyst uh, who's been doing this for how many years now? Well, uh, I've been working in college basketball, counting radio. This is year number 39, guys. Thank you for pointing out to everybody that I'm an old guy. Oh, you're not old. You're not old. You're, you, Kevin Sherrington is old. Oh, yeah. He's sitting next to me. He's old. Uh, Evan Grant is, is the young guy in the room, and he's like 57. 51. 51. And, and I'm, I'm older than dirt. So, so thanks for being with us. Uh, you'll, you'll hit our, our, tar- our target audience perfectly. Uh, <laughs> as, we're, as we're talking to you, you're, you're in Tulsa, correct? Yes, I am. And among yes, the teams you will see is our SMU and Baylor. Right. We, we, right. And I, I think that's an exciting possibility that they could – uh, and they should, that, that they could play one another. Uh, that would be an extremely interesting game, a revival of the old Southwest Conference. Yeah, why would, uh, besides that, why is it, do you think that would be an interesting game? Well, I think that SMU is probably a team that has flown under the radar most of the year. If a team ranked number 11 in the country at the moment can be said to have flown under the radar. Uh, and I think that uh, Baylor is one of the more interesting teams in the country because they didn't get a single vote in the preseason AP poll, and yet within a month they were the number one team in the country. So clearly these are two teams that people had some questions about before the season started, but they've both answered all the questions all year long. And I think just the, the difference in the two teams, Baylor is a team that, relies as much on size as any team in the country. And SMU is a team where all the guys who play for them are between 6'5 and 6'8. Yeah, let, me, let me ask you about that, that SMU team, because how much of this uh, – first of all, if Larry Brown were still coaching SMU, could you tell the difference in what they do? Well, you know, I, that's a good question, uh, and I don't know that I can answer a question about – about the fact that he's not there. That's sort of trying to uh, talk about a, uh, something that hasn't happened. And I, I don't know that I can really answer that question. What I can tell you is that it's a team that is an outstanding team in a number of areas. They shoot the ball well. They defend very well. And I'm not sure that they would have done that any differently with Larry Brown. But Tim uh, Jankovic is a guy that I think likes to shoot the three a little bit more, likes to give his players a little bit more freedom, and maybe that has helped them. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying they're better with Larry Brown gone, uh, but I think they're a little different with Larry Brown gone, and that difference uh, has been a positive. Does their depth bother you, or their lack thereof? Only in the respect that if somebody gets injured or if somebody gets in foul trouble. 
I think that particularly once you get into the NCAA tournament where it's not one of those three games in three days or four games in four days kind of tournaments, that your depth becomes less of a factor. As I said, the only issue that would concern me is foul trouble and if somebody sprains his ankle. Uh, but I, but in the NCAA tournament, I mean, for heaven's sakes, the timeouts are an hour and a half long, and these are young kids. They ought to be able to. They ought to be able to stand up to it. Yeah, that's the thing that to me is intriguing about SMU is just what you said. I, I'm not as bothered by a lack of depth. Uh, and if these guys uh, and they're and, they're, and they have a lot of upper clap uh, upperclassmen on this uh, team as well, and to me that makes them a little dangerous. They got a little bit of a chip on their their uh, shoulders because of the 30 win season and just being a sixth seed, and the, and the fact that they they have older guys on the team. To me, this is all a recipe for a team that could go uh, fairly deep in the tournament. I would agree with you. The one thing, the one cautionary note that I would give you is I have found that over all the years I've done this, teams that get riled up about their seeds are oftentimes teams that fall flat on their faces. I, I just don't think you can worry about the seed. I think SMU's seeding is not really a reflection about how people feel about SMU. It's a reflection about how the committee felt about the American Conference. Uh, that's, uh, I, you know, I, I can't say that for sure, but that's just uh, an idea that I have. and It's probably demented like most of my ideas, but uh, I, you, don't, you don't worry about the seed. Unless you're a number one seed, every single team you play in the NCAA tournament is going to be a team that can beat you. And if you are a number one seed, that starts with your second game. And so everybody can beat you, so you better be ready to play. That said, when you look at this bracket overall, do you? Uh, there has been a lot of talk, I think, throughout the media that SMU seed is lower than it should have been. Do you look at their seeding and, and see a team that was slighted? Well, you know, again, I don't know what's, what, 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 what should be their seed. Like a four seed? Uh, I think if I'm SMU, I would prefer to have a six seed as opposed to a four seed. I don't want to play a number one seed, uh, you know, in, you know, so close to the, uh, you know, if I'm, in, if I'm in that bracket, if I'm a four or a five seed, then eventually I've got to play a number one seed unless they get upset. And I don't want to do that. I want to put off playing the number one seed for as long as possible. Right. Uh, you know, so should they be a three seed? Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe. But, again, I just, I just think it's a bad idea to get excited about seeds. You're going to have to play good teams, so go play them and beat them. And uh, if that's the way you want to make everybody look silly, then that's a great way to do it. So switching over to Baylor now, uh, and you and you talked about this a little bit about their size. You know, uh, especially during the Big Twelve tournament here, uh, when you when you looked at the teams as they matched up across the board, I look at a at a Texas team with Shaka Smart and a really disappointing season for them. Uh, and then the they they you have to go back decades to to see a Texas team that lost as many games. And it's such a and such a small waif like looking team when the, and then they you put them up and you see a team like Baylor where these guys look like they look like men and and Texas looks like a, a JV a high school JV squad in comparison is that kind of physicality that Baylor brings is that something that, that you consider a, a real advantage for them in the, in the tournament? Well, I do as long as they can stay out of foul trouble because. Let's remember, the NCAA tournament is going to be a lot like the beginning of the season in that all the officials are going to be applying the rules very strictly. 
Uh, I know that uh, they try very hard to apply the rules evenly throughout the season, but anybody who observes sees that they start out calling things very tightly. Then as the season goes on, particularly as you get in conference play, things loosen up a little bit. Well, now we're in the NCAA tournament. Everybody is watching them very closely. They're all trying to advance. And so I think that uh, particularly in the early rounds of the NCAA tournament, you're going to see more rebounding fouls called. And I know we've seen a lot of those called during the course of the season. I think you're going to see a lot of illegal screens called, and I know we've seen a lot of those are, you know, during the season, but you're going to see certain areas where the officials are going to tighten up. And so a team that's a very physical team, I think, runs the risk of getting into a little bit of foul trouble in the early rounds of the tournament. Who do you think are going to be the key players for both SMU and, and Baylor in this, in this tournament? If they play. It, well, no, I, I mean just, just the playing in general, okay. but, but not against each other. Necessarily. Well, I think, you know, SMU, the answer is, is fairly obvious. I think Ojale has been uh, their key all season long. They're very balanced, you know, the interesting stat about them. Uh, they've played 24 games where four of their guys have scored 10 or more points. So obviously, they've got a lot of different places from which they can get offense. And, but I think that Ojale is a guy who has to play well. Uh, he's got to be the matchup problem that he has been all season long. I, I just don't think that poor performances by Ojale, particularly as they move through the tournament, if they move through the tournament, is a recipe for success for them. And I, I think with Baylor, uh, you know, we've been talking about their size, so let me throw you a curveball here and say that the key to them may be their small guy, may be LeCant. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think that he's a guy who's, got to be able to deliver the ball to the right place at the right time. And you laugh about that and say, well, oh, okay. Uh, but I think that's going to be very key in the NCAA tournament because everybody's going to be trying to get up and pressure. Uh, so I, I think he may be the most important guy. I think he's got to play well. Do you, are you convinced he's healthy that his ankle's good? Well, see, that's, that's the other thing. Uh, I'm not convinced he's healthy. Uh, but it's the NCAA tournament, so he's going to be as healthy as he can be. And I... Uh, you know, I had a chance to do a couple of his games when he was at Miami, and he always seemed to me as a pretty tough kid. Uh, but, no, I'm not convinced that he's healthy, but that's the other thing. I'm not sure that Baylor is going to be as good in the NCAA tournament if he's not 100% as they might possibly be otherwise. Obviously, you know your way around the ACC. Well, where was Ojale on the, on the bench at Duke? How far down was he? He was so far down on the bench that he could, had he stayed at Duke, he could have had a college career like I had at Virginia. <laughs> uh, and then, then he could have gone into broadcasting, where the difference would be from his career uh, as a player to a broadcaster is the difference would have been that he had a better seat when he was a broadcaster because he was closer <laughs> to midcourt. And so that's where he was. He had no chance at Duke, none. I was gonna. I was gonna say that the the way to phrase that question would have been: Was he within kicking distance of Grayson Allen? Wow! <laughs> not kicking. Not tripping. Kicking. Grayson Allen does not kick people. There you go. Yeah, he he's people. tripping people. So, so if if Baylor and SMU do end up playing each other, who do you give the edge in that? Well, I think I would give the edge to SMU because I don't think Baylor will try to match up with them in a man to man. I think Baylor will try to use that zone of theirs, and I think that SMU is a team that shoots the ball well enough that they can really create some problems. Baylor is very good defensively, but even if you're very good defensively, it doesn't help sometimes if the other team is making shots. And I just see SMU as a team that can make shots in tough spots because of their offensive versatility. 
How, how far do you think SMU could go? Well, again, that's that's a very interesting question. Let's just say, let's 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 just say, okay, they beat whoever wins the Providence USC game, and then they beat uh, Baylor. Uh, Baylor, uh, and then you know you're looking at the other side of their bracket, the guys playing in Greenville. I really think it would be an upset of major proportions if they did get to the Sweet 16 that they weren't looking at Duke, and I think that could be a heck of a matchup because they seem to me to be similar kinds of teams, that they're not teams that rely on inside power necessarily, that they're much more perimeter-oriented, they pass the ball, they shoot the ball. Uh, and I think that would be a very interesting matchup, and I think if they play well, then that's a game they could win, and if they can win that game, then they could go to the Final Four, obviously. Wow. Are you saying perhaps a national championship? Well, I don't know that you want to get that far ahead of yourself. but uh, I'm trying to put words in his mouth, Evan. Come on. No, seriously, think about this now. What you have to do is get into this tournament. Doesn't matter how you're seated. You've got to get into the tournament. Look at what Syracuse did last year. Uh, look at VCU from 2011. Look at Wichita State uh, and their run to the Final Four. You get into the tournament. You get yourself favorable matchups where maybe one of the other teams has a guy who's hurt. Uh, or a guy who gets sick or something like that, uh, and that gives you an advantage. What you have to do is get into the tournament and play well, and if you do, you have a chance to advance. And I really think, looking at this, that SMU has just as good a chance as anybody else. When when, uh, when Tim Jankovich took the job to work for Larry Brown, it was a little bit of a stunner, at least around here, that a guy would come, uh, been, a, been a head coach and been, been a successful head coach, and, and uh, come and work under Larry and do this. I, I think that he was counting on Larry maybe not to hang around as long as he did. Uh, and, I, and I think that was probably with some, uh, with some good judgment on that, at least at first. And then, and then Larry did stay longer than everyone thought. But is this what you could have foreseen or what he could have foreseen coming into this thing or that anyone else uh, would, that, that SMU would be able to, to do this? Well, I don't know what anyone else but I certainly didn't see this coming. Uh, the last time I did an SMU game, they were still in Conference USA, and they were talking about moving to the Big East, and I went and I did the game, and I can't remember who they played. Larry was the coach. Uh, I think it was Larry's first year. And I looked, that they had like 15 people in the Moody Coliseum, right. and the Moody Coliseum looked to me like it was sort of a, a big high school gym, and I, after I left there, I thought, how in the world? These people are out of their minds. How are they going to compete in the Big East? But uh, So, no, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but I'm stunned with uh, SMU's success. And I'm not trying to insult anybody. Obviously, they've put some money into renovating the, the, the program, and, and by bringing in Larry Brown, they indicated that they were going to uh, try to move ahead. Uh, so I think, it's, I think it's a very interesting success story. Uh, but, no, I, I, if you were going to ask me, uh, when I was exiting Dallas the last time I did an SMU game there, I would have told you that they were all nuts. So with that in mind and, and what Larry was able to do, and, of course, now you, you can't rule out and this is what we found here. Uh, first of all, I, I love Larry Brown. He's a great coach. He's a great interview. Uh, I, I love being around him, just listening to him talk. But – uh, he's also been at three programs that were on probation now uh, after he it, he left. Should Larry Brown get another job in college coaching? Well, th 
that's that, that's an interesting question. But I think the point that you just made, every college program with which he's been associated, he's gotten out uh, with the program being under heavy sanctions. And so I think that if you believe what you spout, what college presidents spout about honesty and integrity and all that kind of stuff, I don't know how you can hire Larry Brown because you say, well, okay, we've hired a guy who's been on NCAA probation every place he's been. How can you make that hire as a college coach? Is Larry Brown a good person? Absolutely. Is he a great basketball coach? No question about it. But I, I don't know how a college president could justify that hire. I really don't. Yeah, I, I don't know how you could either. It's, it's just that I think people would also look and say just what you described a few minutes ago, uh, a, a program that was basically in the wastelands, uh, and and now they've got a renovated Moody Coliseum. Now they have a new practice facility. Now they're, they sell out the building for almost every game. Absolutely, the kids come back on campus. They, they, he Larry sold that program to the to the, the students. You they get, you can't get the students to come in off the boulevard to watch a football game. They all stay out there uh, tailgating for the entire football game. But, boy, they sure do show up for the basketball now. And that is the, and to me, that's going to be the question. I agree with you 100%, and that's what I wrote about Larry Brown when he, when he left. But when, when, you, when uh, programs are going to look at how, are we, how in the world are we going to revive our basketball program, and they look, at, look, what, look what Larry Brown did at SMU, I, I just wonder at some point if that doesn't outweigh uh, everything else. In the minds of these it people. Does outweigh, it does outweigh everything else. One of my sons has an expression, and I think he's 100% right. There are no more character questions. The only question is, how good are you? And if the answer is good enough, then you can do anything you want, and you can still get a job. And, and, uh, and so uh, I, think that, I think that outweighs everything. And, and who's going to hire, who's gonna well, hire wait, a 76-year-old? Well, Dan, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, look what he did. I mean, look, here's the thing about Larry. All it, takes, Evan, all it takes, Evan, is one school out there. It, 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 you, you know, you don't have to have 30 schools bidding on him or having a war for him. It takes one school out there. And um, I, I think there will be a school. I, I, really, I think I, if SMU goes to the Final Four, I think that Larry Brown gets another college job. I, I, well, I really guys, do. Let's, let's, let, let, me, let me add one thing in here. Let's not worry about the fact that he's 76. I used to think that 76 <laughs> was pretty old, but it's getting younger. <laughs> it is. Yeah, me too. It sounds he, good to he's me. He's a young man. He's a young 76. Well, I tell you, he is a young 76. Is. Larry is remarkably in good shape, uh, and physically and mentally. I mean, it's not like he's a doddering old fool. I mean, he's he's a tremendous. No, he's you're, a, you're, 60, you're 61 and uh, almost I'm, a doddering I'm, I'm, old I'm not quite 61. I'm close. But, yeah, I, you know, if you go out there, you know, and that's one of the great things about Larry. You know, he had the open practices, and we went out there and I, I sat through one of his practices and watched it and wrote about it and it's just amazing what he does you know and and uh and what he encourages and and and, and how he relates to these young guys and, and 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 he understands that he understands that i can't be talking about the people that i you know grew up with i gotta be talking about guys that these guys know and of course he can do that you know these are guys playing in the nba or recently in the nba and and uh, he he really knows how to connect with people and and that's I just really th- – I didn't think he was going to get another job, but uh, not in college anyway. And, and, of course, he wants one. He was up for a high school job that he didn't take. Uh, and, and he's talked about he would go to Europe. He would go to college. He would certainly go to the NBA. 
I think you know uh, maybe somebody would take him as an assistant coach. But I just really think now that that if, if SMU if this just keeps going, I, I'm not I'm not and I'm not putting down the job that Tim Jankovic has done because I think you're exactly right. I think that the fact that he does has freed that team up a little bit. They do shoot the three more. That does make a difference. And and I think he's he's put his own stamp on this team. But it certainly is a lot of what Larry did too. So that's my prediction. Uh, I listen. Well, you, you 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 may be absolutely right. I'll take your guys' word for it. I just I can't I can't see a guy with three strikes against him and that age being a prudent hire for a school trying to put itself on the map. But uh, look, look, when no one's come farther than SMU has. There's there's a there's a lot of schools out there, Evan, who would who would like to have no, the absolutely. success that Larry Brown has absolutely. on the court. On the court, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and we just we spent one podcast just a, a little while ago talking with Trey Wingo about Baylor and talking about how things at Baylor have been completely out of whack where the university has put the athletic department ahead of the university's interests. Uh, a little different situation, though. Well, there's not there's not sexual See, I think to me that's the big onus now. Knowledge. And, and I, I think really in, in college sports now, the big onus is going to be about sexual assaults and things like that. That won't be tolerated. And, and for one thing, it, it's going to get these schools in a lot of liability issues. With all the money that people are spending, sending their children. But to, generic to cheating is okay. But I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say it, it's it's, gonna, it's dropped less. It's it's a lesser infraction now than what it used to be. So in the public's mind, anyway. I'll stand so particularly, there. Particularly if when you cheat, you have success. <laughs> yes, that's you know, right. You know, there are a lot of guys out there cheating who don't ha- who don't have success. Yes, absolutely. So, I use you as my number one example. Thank you. There. Thank you very. <laughs> thank you very much. But, you know, that, that was the thing about the SMU football program when they were going through in the 80s. They were cheating like heck, but they knew what players to sign. You oh, know, those are some great players. So Great teams. But anyway, Dan, we just want to thank you so much for taking the time. We know you're, you're working hard on your preparation for the tournament. Uh, the, game, the SMU games and the Baylor game, on f- it's on Friday. They'll both be on True TV. Can you tell all our listeners where they can find True TV on, on their cable? Well, absolutely not. I can find it on my cable at home. But, yeah, uh, that's right. I'm I, only I responsible for on my cable. I can at home. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, guys, I'm, I'm doing the basketball games. The uh, more technical stuff, you can just uh, leave that to somebody else. No, it's, it's, it's great. I, b- believe me, I, I've been doing a media column for, for 20 years, 25 years. Everybody used to com- complain, you know, CBS is, doesn't have this game. I have to watch this game. All the games are out there. You can, people, people can find them. Absolutely, and and we, we people we, can find them, and it's not that hard to find them. And I think that Turner did a great thing by saying, "Okay, we're going to put the games. We want the games to be on True TV because that's an incentive for cable systems, Direct TV, to put True TV on, so people can see the tournament." Uh, the Turner folks are really smart marketing folks, and uh, uh, it's interesting because I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to coverage of the tournament that all the games are on all the time. But you would not believe. The number of people who come up to me and say they really like the way it used to be when CBS would bounce them around from game to game, and I looked at them like they've uh, you know sprouted three horns in the middle of their forehead. But, Every, everybody uh, used so to scream I, I it was the worst. Like you're, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna get a fifty-one forty-nine division on just about any point you make in any sport or any walk of life anymore. So uh, let, the, let's just go over the times real quickly. Baylor, New Mexico State, I think, is 11.40 a.m. Central Time. Is that is that correct on Friday? 
I think so, yeah. yeah. And then Again, the S- I'm, I'm doing the games, guys. I just show up <laughs> and tell them to do that. And then the SMU game follows at 2.10 Central Time against uh, yep. the winner of the Providence-USC play-in game. Uh, right, right. What else is in Tulsa? What are the other teams that are in Tulsa? Well, Kansas uh, is here. Uh, uh, the other teams are uh, Kansas is going to play the winner of the North Carolina Central UC Davis game. Uh, and then the 8-9 game, Miami against Michigan State. And there you have it. And I, this is the thing I hate about the NCAA tournament now is that you, you're not sure which bracket belongs to which site. Because yeah, the they, they mix it, they mix and match, and it, they make it better regionally for teams to come and for fans to come. But boy, I can't. I, I it's hard for me to figure out who's playing where at any one time. Do you know so, why it's hard for you, Evan? I'm not very smart. You're an old man. Yes, that's the very explanation for everything. I have, I, I have to admit that I agree with Evan. Uh, I think that the uh, the way they used to do it, uh, when you knew, okay, these guys, if they won today, they were going to go play here because everybody was all together. That's the way I like. Yeah, it's just a little uh, bit confusing to keep up with, but I, ha- I it, it is good for the fans when you have those regional teams in one site uh, and you get more atmosphere there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I liked it the other way because I'm a crotchety old guy. Too. <laughs> Join the club. All right, Dan, we'll let you go. Thank you for taking some time this morning. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. See thank you, Dan. Thank you. That was Dan Bonner, uh, who primarily works ACC games, uh, lives in Virginia. We used to coach the Virginia women, by the way. We, You know, we didn't get into the Division Three tournament. No, we didn't. We didn't get into the women's who's Division the, III tournament. How did, how did Trinity University do? Trinity uh, went to the Sweet 16, yeah. Trinity University, San Antonio, Texas. We should have brought this up with uh, Trey, Trey Wingo, too, whose dad was from San Antonio. Yeah. Trinity, but didn't go to Trinity. No. No, he went to Baylor. Right. So okay. it wouldn't have really made any difference with no. him. All right. So who did Trinity play in the Sweet 16? Trinity played Whitman from Walla Walla, Washington. Whitman from Walla Walla, Washington? Yes. And as my son says, as my son said, he, th- he thinks what, when they were doing the seating for the Division Three women's, they were making schools' names up. <laughs> you know, there's a Christopher Newport. There's, it sounds like. Uh, it should be in tobacco country, I Cigarettes, think. Cigarettes, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Trinity went, uh, had won 14 games. They won their first 14 games of the season, lost their 15th game, went, won 14 more, went, swept both games in Dallas, the first two rounds of the Division Three tournament, and then sadly in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, at the University of St. Thomas. It's not St. Thomas University. A Division Three school with 10,000 students. It's Second largest school in the state of Min- college in the state of Minnesota, uh, we lost or they lost. We you're, you're saying y'all lost because it was a bigger school? No, we didn't play them. We played the oh. team. So that, really, the school had nothing to do with it. <laughs> we, said it absolutely we, we, we we played we played the team from Walla Walla, Washington. I guess it's a good thing you didn't play in the American Airlines Center. <laughs> the team from Walla Walla. No, our Trinity actually has a bigger, nicer gym, but we won't even get into that. But uh, it, it was a 28-2 season. It was a great season for the uh, Trinity Tigers lady uh, basketball team. And now, Give a tribute to your daughter. Your daughter just finished her college she career. She just We're finished getting, her college career. We're proud of Grace. Grace yes, Lauren, Evan, right, thank right. you. I, I think I added up. You take her three years of Plano West High School, her four years of Trinity. I believe she was a hun- her teams that she played on were 190 and 30. And, and you wow. know what the most amazing part of that is? 
fact is. Yeah, I'll tell you what the most amazing part. In fact, the most amazing part of (laughs) of my daughter's athletic career is everybody I talked to, everybody I've met along the way. She played for Ray Mickens, who played ten years for the Jets as a a selection. She was a DB. (laughs) No, but he, he he coached our he coached our team. Every girl, dad or mom was an athlete at some point in their career. Not Grace's. No. I, I got a lot of those looks. Cause I went to several of those games over the years. I got a lot of looks from the other parents you know, looking at Barry Horn thinking, what the heck happened here? What well, what, what did Michael Irvin tell you about your daughter? Michael Irvin once did a whole segment of the show that was soon canceled thereafter. Uh, he did a whole segment. <laughs> Good news for this podcast. He, goes, he said, he, but Michael Irvin looked at Grace. He goes, that can't be your daughter. That's not your daughter. Where did she come from? And um, and you know what you know he he might have been right about that I, you know and I I never saw Grace play except for highlights on Facebook that you posted and things like that but I followed her career at Plano West and 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 through what you posted on on Facebook and you, you know what stands out again and this you could probably say this about ninety percent of Division three athletes but. Your son went to a Division three school. Kevin. Actually, both my sons. Okay, and and both played sports there. That's and, correct. And the drive and the desire at the Division three schools to play the sport and to play it with love may be greater than you see. At, at the athletic talent certainly is not comparable. No. But the drive, the desire, the hard work, the willingness to to, to do what coaches ask you, it's really out of this world. And I, I applaud Grace. Well, yeah, I know the commitment that she and other D3 athletes put into it. I don't understand how how men and women can go to Division One schools and go to school full-time. I don't understand. Well, I, I tell you this, and, and, and I've said this many times, uh, my oldest son, we, we weren't even thinking about D3. Not even – that didn't occur to us. And then he had a good senior season, and his coach said, listen, I think he could, I could see about him getting a deal at either Trinity or Mel Saps. And, and, and I was all for Trinity. Uh, unfortunately, Trinity wasn't going to offer us anything. No academic money whatsoever. It was, so Grace obviously got a better deal than we did. Well, well that was there's no saying. doubt that there's more brains in that family. Well, no. Oh, no. wow. Shot, shot fired. I don't think that's right. Wow. I, th- I think it just it happens when you come along – well, whatever the, the the point is, is that and the sport. The, the point is, it, it was an unbelievably. I don't, you know, and I will. I'll make a big pitch for for D three. Uh, it was an unbelievable experience for my for my oldest son, and it is for my youngest son now, who was at, at Hendricks College in Arkansas playing baseball. It is the the benefits of that small college experience. These are very good schools, first of all, academically, and you get a great education, a terrific education. Uh, you're in such small classes. My, my oldest son's biggest class had 16 kids in it. Uh, usually, most of his classes were maybe from five to ten kids in the classes sometimes, and 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 you know one on ones with professors, and then you're getting to play the sports. But they're not even that crazy. When my son, oldest son, went to play football. They told him, "Now listen, in the spring, and this was a very good school. Mike Dubose, I mean, a good, it was a good football program. Mike Dubose was the coach who'd been the coach at Alabama, Alabama yeah. And and they told, but him, not a successful one, <laughs> not a successful one, no. And, and he said, "Listen, we know he likes to play baseball too. If he wants to play baseball in the spring, that's fine with us. And you know, and, and there's, and, and 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 you're right with what they put into it. They put a lot into it, uh, and." And to, uh, but the fact that it's that tells you something the difference between D3 and D1. Yeah. That, I, that's a, for people to say, oh, they're students, they're getting four hots and they're three hots in a cot. You always hear that stuff. You know, they, they're getting, I've heard that from, from people when I've said that, that they should get a, a piece, a cut of this. 
what D1 athletes have to do today. Right, and, and it's a probably, full-time job. It's, it's more than a full-time job. It's more than a full-time job. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And, and I mean, you know, we, talk, we just talked about cheating and all of that. What Division One athletes do in terms of contributing revenue to their schools yes. far, probably far outpaces, for most of the high-profile sports, Far outpaces the 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 long term value of, of their scholarship. So they are they are contributing to their university. You bet they are. You um, bet they are. Before we go, can I just put a, a plug well, in. One, one, now, last now thing, trend- one last thing about okay. about Grace Horn, uh, and, I, and this is my editorial comment on this situation. Grace Horn finishes as the seventh leading assist person in the history of Trinity Athletics. She only started one year. Had the coach. Done with her, oh. what she he should have done all along. Oh, Grace you're, Horn, you're second guessing a Division three coach. Now. I am, as a matter of fact. That's I what you do. For, that's that's what that's, Listen, what that's what you do for a living. But I just want to say this. I just want to say this with Trinity out. I'm rooting for Tufts. Tufts to go all the way. The Jumbos. The Jumbos. Chuck Greenberg School, because because Chuck Chuck when Grace was looking at schools, uh, put in a big plug for for Tufts. Carla Barubi, who was the coach there, I'm going to hit. Well, Evan's making faces like, why am I bringing Carla Baruby up? I'm going to tell you why. Is she related to Jack Baruby? No. <laughs> Carla Baruby hit the game-winning shot for UConn, for UConn, for Geno's first national championship team. I, 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 thought, it's, I thought it was a password for something, Carla Baruby. You know. uh, no, she was, she was a great coach, and... Uh, had Grace not gone to Trinity, that was the school I, w- I had I liked the most for her. Well, I just applaud I applaud both of you guys for for having kids who went and played college athletics and got great educations. And uh, I applaud their mothers. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that no goes kidding. without saying. Good genes. Um, all right. Well, we will let's let's move on to some baseball, and uh, we will get out of this college basketball podcast. But it was great to have. Yeah, it was Dan was great. It's great to have Trey Wingo on the NFC East free agency Cowboys. And, Zeke Elliott uh, and Barry's genealogy uh, discussion with him. Yeah. Um, and now we'll get into some baseball where I get to shine. <laughs> so long, everybody. I knew we yeah. could find something where you could yeah. shine. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.